staying humble and, and grateful in this holiday season, uh, being able to connect with uh, my peers and uh, even younger cats who are uh, doing their best to um, traverse the landscape of the live music experience uh, during this time um, and uh, you know trying to remain vulnerable to the audiences. Um, what's really amazing about this time in some ways is just the idea that um, really, uh, people that aren't even, uh, talented, so to speak, or have any chops or any musical ability, if they have the looks or they have the show or they have the shtick, then they actually can make a good living on the bandstand, whereas so many of my peers, who are ferocious musicians, very soulful, doesn't matter what genre, uh, if they're playing original music, um... Best of luck to you, and as long as I continue on my journey, uh, I will not stop until people like my guest um, have the opportunity uh, for a pretty vigorous domestic touring circuit, and that, uh, you know, current reality has been turned on its head when in fact the original spiritual music uh, retains not just soul value, but also uh, commodity. Rebecca Todd, wow. welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, and I love that. Spirit <laughs> music, reaching to soul. Like, that is, we are on the same page, and it's been a heavy month for me on that exact. Well, why don't you just, why don't you talk about that? What, what has, it's, I mean, it's a heavy time, but what specifically touches you about this in your recent career? Yeah, um, it is a heavy time. Um, but it's also, it's a shifting time. Mm. Things are shifting on the spiritual sense in my life. And I think sort of, you know, in the collective, you can feel a shift and shifts are always uncomfortable. Um, but I think connectivity is, um, I think we're reaching for it a little bit more and none of us or a lot of people don't know where yeah. to reach, Yeah, but we're reaching. And so that's a good thing. Um, and it's actually even more important that the spiritual artists do their best to step out even more. And that's difficult because in the shifting times, the artists are the first ones to feel it financially. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, but if you can remain vulnerable and real, this is the time people really need it, you know? Um, I, I mean, you know, it's it's just, it's, uh, <clears throat> for me, like, you know, music, there was kind of a latent, um, you know, I was really more a sports broadcaster for most of my early life and into my college years and, and my 20s, and, and uh Music did not take on a soul or spiritual significance, and I'm I'm like literally talking about, you know, I mean I don't I go to shows now with my peers, and it's like, I mean it could it could be some rural part of 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 Cuba somewhere. I'm I'm having like, you know, complete out of body experiences because yeah. I'm healing from it, and I just wonder with you, has music always been? a healing force or did, did it come to you later in, in your, I mean, you're not old, but in your life. <laughs> I feel old. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, your soul, you have an old soul, which is great, but I mean, yeah. were you always obsessed with 
Because for me, like, I didn't, I just wasn't really that into music until probably college, and I just started collecting vinyl, and, and I mean, it's the rest is history, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It has always been um, the thing for me. It has been the spirit for me, wow. and... Uh, it started, you know, I was very, very young and I started singing and my parents were not musicians and they said, wow, this, I was their oldest kid. And they were like, gosh, this kid just sings a lot. <laughs> Belting it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, my it. dad was a big Zeppelin yeah. boy, you know, so I started there and he would also play a lot of Aretha and Michael Jackson. And I just loved it so much. And, um, this is a really, I always love telling this part of my childhood because everyone I talk to takes it differently. Um, I was raised in the South, if you can't already tell by my accent, um, in North Carolina. And there was this tiny town that I grew up in called Benson. My father's from Brooklyn. He, his dad was a firefighter in Bay Ridge wow. for 50 years. Wow. So my father joined the Navy, blah, 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 went all around, met a woman in North Carolina who's from Chapel Hill, and they fell in love, and he stayed. And uh, Chapel Hill is a very forward-thinking city, and obviously uh, Brooklyn, I like to think, is as well. And they came to Benson, North Carolina. <laughs> I love it. Which is a I very different um, mindset. And so they raised me a little smart-ass girl in Benson. And Benson didn't know what to do with me. Um, but I did love to sing. And I found a Pentecostal church at the age of seven. Um, my parents were not religious, okay? They're like ex-Catholic school kids. And they are not religious, Um and I am like, Mom and Dad, I found this really great church. They sing really loud. And that's why I loved it, because they sang so loud, and they shook these tambourines, and they jumped up and down, and I'm seven, you know, so this is This awesome. is blowing my mind. I mean, I ask, <laughs> I ask all the old, my elders about uh, the Sanctified Church or the Pentecostal Church, you know, I, yeah. and, and a lot of them, even if they were black or colored, they... A lot of them didn't even didn't didn't discover it, even if they were in the South. I cannot believe you stumbled into there. Were, this is like a holy roller kind of church. Oh my gosh! Wow! Oh my gosh! I mean, this and is unreal. So I mean, this is why it's worth growing up in Benson. You know, <laughs> truly. You know, I'm I'm not gonna disagree because it was a really beautiful. As long as I was naive in it, it was beautiful. Exactly. Once I became uh, a teenager, you get jaded. Yeah, being, totally. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I started learning about world religions, I started learning about things, and I was like, wait a minute, something's not adding up, and, you know, but what I will say about it is I learned about the Spirit, and they were calling it the Holy Spirit, yes, you know, they were yes. calling it what they call it, but I carried that throughout my life, and I started touring um, on my own as soon as I got out of school, and I didn't stop, and I was looking for the spirit or the Holy spirit or whatever you want to call it. I was like looking for it on the road and I would find it like you're talking about in random little bars out in the middle of nowhere. Somebody would sing in the back of my eyes would start to water, oh, you know, yeah. oh, here we go. and you'd say, Oh, they've got the thing or there's that magic. They're carrying it with them. And, um, 
then I, you know, I joined, I was still calling myself a Christian and I was joining like mission work and I was traveling to Africa and I was traveling all these places and I was looking for the magic. And, you know, now I'm out of that religious world, but I'm still very spiritual and I've experimented with like lots of festivals and all the fun things that happen at festivals and <laughs> mushrooms and acid and you name it. And I'm finding the spirit there and I'm doing ayahuasca and I'm finding the spirit there. And now I just realize that, uh, I've actually had a big couple months where I've realized that I don't have to search any further because the magic has just been in me the whole time and it's in you and it's in it's in that guy in the coffee shop that makes the back of your eyes water you know like we're all carrying it so if we could just shine a little brighter that's all we really need <laughs> you know I, I just I, it's it's i'm just so humbled to have connected with you because uh i really appreciate um what you're talking about because uh, you know just in the times in recent times everything is especially with the advent of techn- the speeding up of technology and mm. you know this incessant need uh for the quote unquote bottom line the greed factor is higher than ever there's so much desperate despair out in this country and around the world um and everything has to be ha- everything has to be quantified there has to be it has to make sense. Uh, we, we can solve, this is the way the dogma that society gives off that we can solve everything. And, um, and I just feel like when you're on the insecure path, uh, and you're following spirit, then the magic is unquantifiable. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you can, uh, you know, pay your bills or, you know, um, you know, there, there are elements of, of society that you have to take care of, but I just, I wonder, uh, now that you recognize, when did you, can you talk about the definitive moment that you realized that the spirit, you didn't have to, to search anymore, that through your experience, through your lived experience and practical application, that you yourself, um, you are spirit and you are a conduit for inspiration for other people through your true nature. Mm. You said it was yeah. in the last couple of months where you kind of stopped, where you surrendered. Maybe it was ayahuasca. You just sort of surrendered to the to the concept that you didn't have to keep seeking, even though it's our natural inclination as human animals to just keep uh, assuming that there's more when, in fact, there there really isn't. Yeah, yes, exactly. Well, yeah, it was mostly an ayahuasca thing, which I've I've been, you know, tapping into that specific plant medicine for several years now, but I did have um in the last year an experience where it was very clear to me. Um you don't need to you can keep going around and you can keep but you don't need to do that to be searching. Right. You need to be traveling around to be giving. Right. If you're traveling around looking for, then you're not able to serve. And it's like, I think a lot of the artists, I think all artists, um, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, we're, we're here to be a very clear vessel. We're here to experience 
life in its beauty and its pain and then present that outwardly in a way that helps others connect. Um, But if we haven't connected to the spirit and accepted that we are, that that is our purpose here, um, it gets really confusing for us. And it's hard to figure that out at first. Nobody is coming around like a sage explaining to you, hey, this is your purpose. Absolutely or, not. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. once you figure it out, it's like, okay, I, first of all, I don't have to give into this consumerist lifestyle. You know, they're telling me if I don't sell this many tickets and I don't sell that many Right. Exactly. Albums. Exactly. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is a spiritual place. <laughs> it doesn't have to be about the, this plastic you know, LP or whatever, like, that's not the purpose. And I guess I just felt that a little more deeply recently and have been able to step back and say, you know what, everything is okay. And (laughs) I'm just going to take it a little slower. I put an album out last year and we toured it. And it was a rough year for a lot of different reasons. Um, The industry is just tough right now. Everything's shifting. And... Yeah, the economy is like Swiss cheese when it comes to live live music. You know, it's really like you can just feel the grinding of the of the gears. You know, it's not flowing the way it was before COVID. Oh my gosh, I completely agree. And yes, since COVID, it's been rough. And I'm yeah. looking at my friends, and I'm like, "Yo, are you good? Like, we have been working hard, and things aren't shifting the way they used to. What's what's wrong and then you the artist thinks it's me i'm terrible that's right that's a very good point when in fact Mm. it's literally because like i have chills right now from what you've been talking about because this is like whether it's conscious or not there is no whether it's i mean the clubs got eviscerated they they a lot of independent clubs they're still paying back loans to the government that bailed them out during a time when nobody could really commune for music. And um, so, like, that thing, like, why isn't th- why aren't things turning over? Why isn't there new soil? Why isn't there cultivation? Why isn't there, like, a month-long tour? All this stuff. <clears throat> it's because we are turning towards, and I, I don't want to, you know, scare people, but we are turning towards a very dark, sinister time, and if if people like us don't continue on our path, we will fall into that. Uh, so socially, socially, politically, economic, I mean, we're already sort of teetering on that, but in fact, the live music experience is a perfect representation of the existential crisis, at least in this country. And so my feeling is I'd rather, I'm going to run it, I'm going to run out every ground ball. Rebecca, like I, I'm going to go as hard as I can and do my part, realizing that it is not about me or like I'm not going to, you know, get down about or like the artist you were saying, oh, nobody, you know, my I must suck because nobody's, you know, like it's about burning. It's about the internal burn. It's going back to the Pentecostal church when Rebecca Todd was eight years old. It's about, I'm, you know, I mean, this is real. It's it's yeah. very but I, I want to, can you talk specifically, I've, I've interviewed a lot of like, uh, on top of all the 
ardent musicians and cats like that. I've interviewed a lot of, you know, some some are teachers of mindful meditation, uh, yoga, you know, different uh, life coaches, Reiki, all this stuff. And, you know, some of them have have talked about, uh, you know, during these ayahuasca trips, um, you know, sort of grandmother or the the great mother coming to them because the ayahuasca trip can be, you know, a little bit dicey. You can have kind of be going on a sort of super emotional roller coaster ride. Then all of a sudden that breaks and you wind up in this sort of state of very clear transcendence. And I just, yeah. I wanted you to, this specific trip where you were, can you talk about the good, the dark and the light of the trip? And then sure. I would love you to break that down because you know, ultimately, I just feel going back to the late 60s, your, your dad and, you know, your your folks might be able to um, back this up. But I just, I feel like uh, there was a period of time when LSD was completely legal. It was being made by the government. Um, it was as pure as pure could get. And I think a lot of square people got dosed. And I think it was a really great thing, actually. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, yeah. whether, it, it was just, it opened your mind. And if you're not going to open yeah. your mind, then we will we will we will seep into uh, the darkness. Anyway, you yeah. can riff on that any way you want. Oh man, well I love that we're. De- this is how I think, so I'm so grateful that you're willing yeah. Yeah. to dive in. Um, well, first of all, before I tell any stories, there's a there's a idea right now that um, there is a sentience behind the plant, huh. and the plant is. Like it is a vine, and there's like this idea that the vine is creeping across the world because the the plant knows that the world is in a very bad place, and there's this whole idea that we aren't harvesting the plants; the plants are harvesting us. I agree. Well, I think that's true. I mean, I yeah. think that's a very uh, metaphysical, but uh, also practical uh, analogy, or what you know. Yeah. So that's, that's a whole thing. A lot of people are like, oh, all these Westerners are taking ayahuasca and that. And I'm like, well, maybe the ayahuasca wants us to. <laughs> like, right. Well, I mean, you know, you know it also is like, what was, going just on your trip, what was your, uh, going into this latest latest ayahuasca journey, like what, what was, uh, to me it's all about intention, you know. I mean, I, I just remember going back to my college years in the late 90s at Boston University and like, you know, fish was huge at that time, and I, I, I you know, for better or for worse, I just, I, I mean, I went to a few shows, but I just remember my friends, like, I mean, they were just eating vials of acid. It was insane. <laughs> like, it was just like, it was like, I, I mean, for me, like one or two hits, and I'm, I'm in, the, I'm going to the intergalactic, and so in my mind, that didn't. Their intention was just to get obliterated, but. Mm-hmm. What was your intention going in, or what do you? What is your intention when you use the plant? Yeah, so you kind of don't know where it's going to take you. You do. You can set intentions, but you know, you're you're officially along for the ride. <laughs> and um, I think the first experience I had, I um, I came in for a lot of grief stuff um both my parents have passed so i'm so sorry i feel their spirits so strongly today and 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 they are supremely proud of you thank you so much and i can just feel I, i i i they have whatever they did they did a great job 
Yeah, they're awesome. I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. Continue. So there was there was a grief. There was grief there. Yeah, yeah. So I went in, and this shaman, you know, didn't know me. Um, it was this big Albanian guy, actually, wow. and he he was like seven feet tall. So you picture a seven oh foot tall guy God. in a poncho. Jesus, <laughs> huge. that is freaky. Yeah. Wow. So I take the drink, sitting there. I'm letting it. We're all letting it kick in, and you know, he starts to play some little instruments and then he stands in the middle of the circle and puts his arm out kind of like a clock dial he starts sort of twisting around the circle and we're all seated in a circle and he stops at me he points directly at me and he says rise above the death that was the first thing he said no way (laughs) i'm not kidding wow all right well that's he i mean that's that's a i love it because that word and i use it i overuse that word shaman too but but yeah, that's it right there. Yeah. So that happens, and then the trip begins, and I spent that whole first trip rising out of my grief, um, which was very helpful for me and set me on the path to uh, get back into music because I had pulled back um, during my mom's sickness. I was helping her, and I just completely left music and thought I was done. And the plant kind of said... Uh, no, we're going to put this light back in you and it is your job to go out there and shine because people need all artists, you know, like we're talking about. And it was a little bit mean to me. It was like, if you don't do it, we're going to take it away and then you'll never have it again. And I was like, Oh shit, I please don't take my voice. I want to sing. So then I went out and I did it again for the last two and a half years. And it's been very challenging. And I went back recently and, uh, you know, kind of received actually a very different message. I came in exhausted and I was like, hey, you told me to go sing and I did. And what the fuck, you know? <laughs> Wait, were you, did you go to, did you go to like Costa Rica or something like that? Or where, where, where were yeah. these trips? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like yeah, the land, that seems like the local like landing point for this stuff, you know, or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess uh, the whole Amazon, but yeah. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. Go. I, so anyway, so, you, so you're like, you're, you're like, uh, you were fatigued, just physically tired, or you were beaten down by the realities of the new music world after COVID. Sure, beaten down yeah. all the way down, you know, because yeah, it's just it's been everybody knows it's been really rough, yeah. so. But this time, it was a very different, uh, it was more of what we started to talk about. It was like, yo, things are about to get really dark. And it was like, hey, it already got dark. And while y'all were sleeping, a lot of people made a lot of moves. Like, in the music industry, in the world, a lot, like, during the dark times, that's when the, the more shadowy figures are able to move. Absolutely. You know? Uh, and a lot, of, lot, of, lot of devious, a lot of stuff went down in the dark. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so now it's like, okay, it's very important. It's more important now to shine. But then it, the biggest um, message I got, and it's, it's kind of hard to like pair these messages down into sentences, so I'm sorry that I'm fumbling a no, little no, bit. No, no, you're but, doing fantastic. Yeah, but the main... Uh, message I got was like 
being self-sustaining and and keeping yourself level because it's going to be a long burn. You know what I mean? We need to, we don't need to burn ourselves out here coming up because it's going to, it's going to take a while. That's right. So if you're blazing from the get go, that might not work out so well. So we we really need to find out how we can. No, it's good advice for me too. I mean, I, I have, I have, I, I just have sort of, a little bit of manic tendencies where I will come out of, I'm not, you know, and it's different. I, I'm not on the bandstand. I, I, I'm not trying to, but I am trying to inspire cats uh, who are on the bandstand. And, uh, and so you come out of the gate all fired up and then, uh, you know, that high doesn't last. So you come back down. Um, and, uh, well, it's just like, how long is your wick, you know? Yeah, like, right. Well, no, that's that's wick? a very good point, yeah. <laughs> how long is the wick? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, to me, it's like, so, uh, I mean, what are you doing uh, to cultivate your, like, the self-sustaining part? I mean, so much of that is... Um, you know, whether it's Tai Chi or, you know, it's a, a, a mindful meditation practice or like most musicians, yoga is on the bandstand. But the problem is there's just less gigs. So, I mean, just how have you, since you came away with these recent messages, uh, yeah. how have you, most importantly, I guess... Rebecca, the, the, the question, I feel this with you because you we were kind of raised similarly, even though I was raised in Long Island and you were in Benson. But, uh, you know, I th- do you love yourself? Right. Yes. Oh, that's the right question. Yes. And that was a big part of the message. It was like self-love, right. treating yourself well first, just as simply as drinking a glass of water. We musicians that is like the bottom line we're in a van or a tour bus or whatever and we're getting number one dehydrated you know and it's like (laughs) loving yourself so that you can have a longer wick and get out there and do it and finding out how you ground um that has been a big thing for me where I thought music is what keeps me going a lot of us artists say like the art is what keeps me going and it's like "Mm, for me I found out the hard way that that wasn't actually true Um, a lot of people would say oh you look like you're crushing it and I'd be like well actually (laughs) yeah I'm really tired and I feel (laughs) terrible you know Um, so I have realized by trial and error that I just am a very spiritual person and I don't need to feel ashamed or feel strange about that it just I really do get my grounding from my spiritual practice and when I feel aligned in that I'm able to give more because I'm connecting to source more often and I'm getting my cup filled whereas I am not getting filled up on the stage. Yeah, the adrenaline is nice, and it's nice when people are cheering for you, but that does not fill me, and I had to learn that the hard way. I just felt really empty and really exhausted because you're pouring, and it's like, where does the well go to drink? 
And hmm. that was the big question I had to answer. Where does this well inside of me get its source? And once I could find that, and that's, you're meeting me like right after figuring that out. So I'm not on the road right now. I'm writing and I'm trying to work on this next album. Um, but yeah, I'm taking a little bit of a spiritual break, you know? Do you, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, because, uh, well, that was profound. Where does the well get its sustenance? I mean, did, did, you are looking to, um, self through self love, take sort of stop, stay off the stay off the road for a minute and maybe re and just sort of find some creative source within the songwriting process. Am I, am I hearing that correctly? Or just in general, just, just, yeah, like yeah. just in general, I, um, you know, I'm really interested in things, the things that we don't get to experience as musicians, like a garden, you know, right, um, right. digging my hands in the dirt. Like I, we don't get time for that. So, I'm trying to find a new balance and I don't know where that is, but I do know that, uh, I'm trying to be okay with shining brightly in wherever I am and not feeling like I have to be everywhere all the time. Um, the consumerist lifestyle tells us as musicians, if you're not everywhere all the time, then you don't exist. And it's like, Ooh, that is so opposite of the truth, you know? And, yeah, I mean the pro- here's the thing though, Rebecca. Like, do you have? Here's the bot. The reality is that in modern times, it actually is, unfortunately, true. Because, I mean, you go back. You know, I don't care who it is: uh, James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, mm. Bruce Springsteen. <clears throat> you know, these cats were back when there was a, a record-based commerce industry. Um, those cats did not have any radio-friendly hits for their first few albums. But they were attached to record companies that believed in artist development. And once they did uh, be patient enough that, you know, that the, 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 these artists came around and became very successful, they could go out on the road for four months or two months and lose money and the company could write it off because they were making so much money on the records that they were selling. But the point is there was a huge apparatus around them. And now it's up to independent artists, unless you're going to sell your soul to some, you know, company and they're going to, you're going to lose all creative freedom. You have to wear nine hats and that is completely unsustainable. I mean, it's really unsustainable. And so, that to me is the pressure where you're hearing and feeling you have to be everywhere. You have to be doing because you do. And, and, and I don't know how to square that circle because, you know, I'm not sure about your band, but the bands that I go see, I mean, you know, they, they're road dogging it in a sprinter van. They have to set up, they have no roadies. They have to set up their gear. They have to take it down directly after the show. If they're lucky, they have somebody at the merch table from the band, and if not, then yeah. then it's the club who then takes a cut of the merch table. I mean, the whole thing is absurd. Oh yeah. And then and that and that and that has nothing to do with the creative process. So it's basically Wait, a distraction yeah. from the art itself. So I do want you to be very wary of 
because I can feel that you have a very strong aura, and I think, and I think that no matter what, in, music is always going to be a major vital center for you. Mm. But I also feel like you need to really be very wise about uh, this. What we're talking about here, like, is it realistic? Is it self-sustaining for you? And and this is across the board for any musicians outside of the the top one whatever you know the yeah. you know i it, it is a matter of saying is wearing eight hats sustainable some people get off on that but i just feel like right. you are <laughs> some people you know you are somebody who's i mean you're a multi-dimensional force so you can inspire in many different ways but i think you need to take some time to really figure out if that's the world that's going to work for you. And, and, and that doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean you can't perform live or, you know, you know what I'm saying? I just, I think it's really important. Uh, and in this time, it's like the impression you're getting is, well, we don't have time. You're already late. Mm. You're already behind Mm. the ball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Our band, the last two years, we had, you know, an agent that was booking us, but that got like kind of weird. And we started, uh, you know, getting booked at things that were really low pay, low guarantees. Right. Um, right. It's just kind of like crazy. Why are we getting booked here? And then we were wearing all the hats. And when I say we, I mostly mean me, you know, I was footing the bill. It got to the point where I was just footing the bill every night and I was paying to play every night. And we had photographers on the road with us and we had a merch person and we, you know, it, it was like only a little bit of footing the bill, a couple hundred bucks every night, but you add that up over two years and you're like, dude, I just give me a break. A give money. me a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, you know, I just, that was another thing I had to just pause and say, okay, you know what? this isn't working. The numbers are not adding up and I don't have a huge financial backer. So I must pause and rethink this. And something else I did, um, you know, one aspect we haven't spoken of is being a female in the industry. And Hmm. that presented itself with a lot of issues over the last two years, more than it ever has. And I, that's another thing that shifted that I've noticed. Um, I want you to talk deeply about what 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 do you, what does that mean? I I, I know I, I I feel that too, but you are yeah. in your own. What does that mean? Yeah, well, I'm still dissecting what it means because it's it's very ambiguous, and I think we're all feeling that in politics. We're feeling it in everything. There's an ambiguous feeling lurking around, and none of us know where to point, you know? And that's what I felt in the industry. I mean, it was like the the obvious stuff. You're getting billed kind of low because you're a female. Right. You're getting, okay, yeah. I want some examples. Aside from that, though, yeah. That's always been the thing, and it's getting a little bit better. But this year, I had some agents that. I had to let go because they would start flirting with me and I'd be like, all right, you know what? This isn't what I'm looking for. So you got to go. And I get another one and like the next one wouldn't be as good as the one before that. But the one before that wanted me to like, you know, do things with them. And I was like, well, you're a really good agent, but I don't want to do that. That's horrible. (laughs) I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, unfortunately that you're, that this is the reality. Oh, it's very, very much the reality. And I'm not like, I'm not a meek 
little girl. Like, I'm pretty loud. Oh, I, I know you're not. I know you're not. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm still getting treated like this, so I can't imagine what it's like for maybe someone a little more shy or something. So, anyway, that was a thing. There was a very specific large thing that happened where a festival wanted me to be an artist at large. I said yes, and then the guy was calling me, like, every day, trying to chat, be weird. And I was like, you know what, dude? I'm, like, really uncomfortable with how much you're reaching out to me. And I had asked this person many times to please keep it to email once it breach my comfort level um and after feeling really uncomfortable I said you know I think I'm just gonna leave this festival I wasn't even on the poster I was just an artist at large not ideal well it triggered this person and they called all the bands you're gonna think this is absolutely ridiculous they called the bands and told the bands they had to cancel the festival because of me and I was like I heard this through the grapevine later that all the bands were now told a festival is canceled because of Rebecca (laughs) and a couple of bands got upset. Obviously they didn't understand the true story. They just heard from this guy and they start making posts and they're calling me and I'm going to quote, I'm being called, um, a self-righteous bitch uh an entitled bitch and they're like we're canceling the festival because of her self-righteous attitude and it got really crazy and I was like what the hell is going on like I felt unsafe so I backed out and now I'm being called this thing by a lot of people and it wasn't just bands it was like I watched the North Carolina Virginia white male scene just they tried to shred me publicly so it got really weird um you weren't even on the post i mean some of this doesn't add up you were not on the poster right uh i mean uh i i just this is just and and it's so it's so there's such a a vengeance quality to the whole thing you know it's just like oh she didn't conform or she rejected me so i'm going to rejected me so i'm going to i'm going to uh, do one bet. Yeah, it's it's like that is that is the ambiguous darkness of, and I don't know if it's just you know Appalachian male paternal kind of thing, or if it's just the idea of saying, you know, based on the last you know whatever eight years of of uh, you know insanity of the you know the <clears throat> the collapse of the the white male system, it's just a matter of saying we are going, I don't care if you're not a white male, um, and that means a person of color, woman, whatever you are, we will crush you. We'll crush you. Oh, and I felt it hard. Hard. Really, I mean, I've been in this scene for, you know, coming up on like 15 years, just from when I started as a wee little acoustic girl in a coffee shop and you know uh, I thought people loved me and respected me and they do um but it was very interesting to see some people crawl out and start talking badly but the the story has a positive ending and that is I took these people to court for a restraining order because I was like you want to play with me let's fucking play so we started that And, you know, they quickly were like, no, like, well, we want to take it to mediation. Let's sign these things saying we won't talk about anything ever again. Well, come to find out, 
The same day that they decided to cancel the festival, they also fired the only other female who was on their team. And that female called me and let me know that they actually were out of money. (laughs) Like, big surprise. And so they couldn't pay the bands anyway. So they used me as a scapegoat. Second, that person was already under a different lawsuit with a different female who had also been made to feel very uncomfortable and had already taken him to court. So this would have, I would have been his second, you know, uh, yeah, uh, some sort of uh, uh, victim predatory kind of thing. Yeah. So really all that said to me was like, okay, first of all, wow, scary. A lot of people crawled out of the shadows to try and decimate you. That was, that's like, yikes, really scary. Number two, it was like, good job, Rebecca. This other girl is in court because she didn't see the signs as early as you. And she actually had something go down, you know, like she got harmed in a way that was bigger than how you got harmed and like good job for listening to your gut while the whole scene was trying to obliterate you you still listen to your gut and the worst that happened to me was just some embarrassment you know and so it's just a big takeaway for all females if anyone's listening like you listen to that gut and you don't give a shit what anybody tells you because they don't understand. And rape culture is real. You know, it's very real. And a lot of people don't realize it until they're a victim. I know. So listen to your gut. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. I, I cannot tell you how much I'm a, I'm a Taoist. So I, I, was, I was never, my, my dad was Jewish. My mom was, Catholic, so I was never bar mitzvah, never a confirmation. My first spiritual transmission was the Tao, and um, I have really focused on uh, trusting everything that my instinct and intuition uh, is is telling me. Do you feel like this is a byproduct of you having to wear ten hats? I mean, the idea there is if you had a buffer between you and this idiot. Um, mm. I mean, yeah. none, of, none of this, that I mean, they, 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 they're I just looking to, they're going to say, oh, we can take, you know, to me, like, that's the, that's the issue right there. The artists, the artists, the point is, Joni Mitchell, these people, it, it's not talked about enough, uh, but even the Grateful Dead, all these cats, they had sharp people, I don't even care, they had roadies. That yeah, w- they had roadies that worked for them, and when the when the club said, "Oh, we don't have the money," they'd say, "Well, we're just not gonna. We're gonna. I mean, for better or for worse, we're gonna dump spaghetti on your head, and, and when <laughs> and when you, we're gonna we're not gonna leave until we get paid." So, like, yeah. but it, it wasn't the artist. Mm. It wasn't the artist. Like that to yeah. me is putting you out on an island, and it also makes you uh, susceptible to. Uh, this sort of predatory, uh, and I and I can't imagine how maddening and frustrating it was. Um, and, and 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 then how do you really respond other than writing some sort of post saying, "All right, well, there's been a lot of vitriol, but the truth of the matter is, this is the truth." And that, I mean, how much is that going to provide satisfaction? Yeah. Has it? Uh, so, where are you living now? I actually just relocated to Asheville officially. I've been back and forth to Asheville now for 
many, many, many months, and everybody kept saying, when are you going to move here? And I finally, finally moved to Asheville. You, are, um, you, which, uh, yeah. are you connected with uh, Charlie Hunter at all? Uh, actually, like by proxy, I work with his, some girls that he works with, Victoria, Victoria, and Maya Camille. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yes. He just struck, you know what it is, like, I just, and I don't, I haven't been to Asheville, I've heard it's just an incredibly hip town, all that, but, mm. um, like, Charlie is a guy who, uh, you know, he's had his own commercial success, but he also knows how effed up the bit, the racket is, and mm. I think all I'm saying is that in the interim to just sort of, it might be, it might behoove you to... I don't know, just yeah. I, I feel like he has a collective down there, and it has nothing to do with touring. It has nothing to do with the bottom line. It has to do with creating a musical community, yes. and you you need to be part of whatever community. It's a great. It sounds to me, at least. So instead of feeling all the pressure to, you know, you know, yeah. get on the road, and I mean, I mean, go back to some of those simpler roots of, you know. Uh, you yeah. know, just being healed by the music, but also just being uh, an integral part of a local. I mean, region. That's where all the magic music that that people love. I mean, the amount of bands people talk about it, but uh, there was just so much regionalism in music at one time in this country that. Uh, and and you know that that's the other part of it is just the uh, you know so that would be a, a recommendation is to you know just sort of dive full into that community but also just uh you know like uh one of the cats that you know it's I've connected with him recently done a few interviews with him and he's super bright super incredible guy who actually came of age uh when there was Still a record-based commerce industry, with um, with a band that's still going on today uh, is Dave Schools, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, and 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 I remember talking to him and other people. Like, I mean, the gigs actually at one time paid fairly well, right? <laughs> and, like you could like you could go to rural Virginia to a to a to a, a, a you know some sort of you know biker bar or whatever you could play there for a week and and you know they'd give you a place to stay but you'd make some dough and now it's like everything is predicated on like the merch table and like if you get it i mean once you have a six-piece band or five-piece band like the money for the gig itself it's just not there and so i don't know how to square i don't expect to have an answer from you for that but that that to me is all the more incentive to be able to play music and feel oh, yeah. at peace, but not necessarily have to turn yourself into a pretzel to, because I don't know how to change that calculus, you know? Yeah, well, you know, I guess we sort of, earlier we were saying that everything is shifting and we're in a weird time and it's going to get, like, maybe even darker. Oh, it's going to get real dark. Yeah, and I felt that, you know, earlier this year with with the story I just told you, it was like, that was like my ground moment, like ground floor, like, oh, shit for the women. Like, oh, shit, something has to change. So, you know, I'm 36. I'm not 22. I can make some moves here if I need to. And so I was like, you know what? 
there's a lot of younger girls than me and they have it way worse than me because I'm bold. They maybe aren't yet because they're scared. They're scared to lose their position that they worked so hard for, you know, and I was like, all right, what can I do? So I just started building my own festival and I was calling it a retreat this year because it was very small for the first one, but I was like, fuck this. We're going in. We are starting over. And if you can't join them, beat them. And that's what we're going to do. So I started. I yeah, love that. I, started, I mean, I mean, I that, you, that should be the motto of the of the retreat. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So I started this retreat. It was small for the first year. It was just fifty people. I didn't want to overdo it. I wanted to make sure I could do a good job. But it was women, female musicians, female bands. You know, there were males there, yes, but it was as many females as possible. We had female sound tech, female lights. You know. Uh, the chef was female, the person who brought all the glamping tents, female. And we were like, let's fucking go. We can do this. We need to remind the other women that we can do this. Because that's the biggest lie, is that we need help. And it's like, no, we actually don't. We're just being held back. So if we can all remind ourselves that we are just as good as everyone else in this industry and flip it on its head, which you're seeing with a lot of Gen Z, like it's all flipping on its head. And I love it. You know, um, you, 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 30, you can point to like, tell me, tell me you see that with, with real time. It's different with Gen Z that, that, that oh my gosh, so different. Is like, it because they know how to, is it, they're, they're, uh, I can't see them being more worldly than, than other generations just they they maybe advocate for themselves more or they don't they really know how to speak up they're removing gender roles um like they're going a lot of people are choosing pronouns and being very aware you know people meet each other and they just assume that your pronoun is they first that's the beginning so like that's flipping it on its head they're not saying like oh hello a female in a skirt they're like you know they're starting with a even playing field and that is very different and i think here in about 10 years it'll be like wildly different the jam scene versus the gen z it will be like which crew are you in because they're very different you know I think that's absolutely fascinating. I, you know, I, Rebecca, where do you feel? Part of me feels like one of the ways to alleviate some of that exhaustion on the bandstand, uh, because, well, I mean, when Jake Feinberg comes to a show, I also don't. I, I people don't recognize how important uh, the audience is to pushing. Uh, the band out of their thinking mind and into the spirit mind. Uh, And, uh, and so, you know, and so that's part of my job is from minute one is to make them to push them out of their thinking mind into the spirit mind. Because once you do that, all bets are off. And especially when it comes to instrumental music, when it comes to stretching and playing. And I kind of wanted to ask you where you're at. Because part of this is about losing yourself in the moment on the bandstand and not getting so consumed with how you feel or the dread or the, and so like, 
where do you need to grow the most as a musician? Like, where do you know you want to push yourself more? Is it, I mean, clearly you have a great voice, but um, I don't know. I remember talking to this great guitar player, Terry Haggerty from the Sons of Champlin, which is just an incredible band. A lot of people don't realize they were the hottest band in the Bay Area with all those other bands, Santana. They were the most um, ferocious. I mean, they had the biggest chops, so to speak. Um, and they were just a groovy band. But he used to say that, you know, he'd come off the stage, play guitar, and, and people would say, how, how did you do that? And he'd say, I have no idea. And he'd say, you have to... You have to, it doesn't happen all the time, but you have to abide by the Socratic method of you must know what you don't know. And so some of that comes from, I don't know, Rebecca Todd beginning to work on her instrumental chops so that she is stretching out beyond what she knows. And maybe she falls down a few times but gets back up. But pretty soon you're getting off the bandstand and you don't even know what happened. You you know, getting away from, I'm not saying that you're in the formula trip. I'm not saying that you play the same song the same way every night, but getting away, getting far, getting closer and closer to the idea of never playing the same song the same way once. Yeah. Well, I, it's been, while I'm talking about how hard of a time it's been, it's also been a tremendous couple of years of growth and getting to work with incredible musicians. And I am a lover of Joni Mitchell and her whole path, you know, and I feel very close to that because I started as a girl in vintage outfits wearing, you know, playing an acoustic by myself on stage. And I've gone through now the rock and I'm actually tipping into jazz because jazz is very much what you just said. Like you're trying to let go. You're trying to not think you're trying to be in and jazz can lean into rock. You can be a rock band that still. Leans Absolutely. Jazz, you know? Yeah. And that's, I've been trying to get a little bit more in that vein. Cause the, the big question is, what is jazz and it's like if you're having to even ask the question then you don't understand what jazz is because there is jazz is everything jazz is nothing like jazz just is you know and i'm trying to be there i've had the pleasure of working with all kinds of different people that i look up to so greatly and one of those is actually felix pastorius who oh my god dude i've been looking for that cat forever dude i dude that it's so funny you bring that up because he uh, I was just doing an interview this week with a bass player, Todd Smalley, and we were reminiscing about the great Kofi Burbridge, who was in a band with with uh, with Je- with Felix and with Jeff Sight. Anyway, that was I, I love that you. So tell me about that experience. How did that happen? Yeah, um, gosh, I guess he was living in Asheville for a minute, and I was also touring around with Joe Marcinek, who puts a lot of different people on the bandstand together, which is such a yeah. awesome thing that he does, totally. and he, you know, he knew me, he knew him, we were on the bandstand together, and uh, I'm still in my baby phase of jazz, um, but yeah, every musician, I mean, I was, I just did something with Brad Walker, who plays with Dumpstafunk. He's the saxophone player wow. for them and a lot of other people. And he invited, people have been inviting me out to sing jazz. And it's like a huge compliment, number one, that these cats are like, <laughs> hey, Rebecca, do you think you want to like sing some jazz with us? And I'm like, you think I can? <laughs> 
you think I'm worthy? So then I come out and have a great time. Well, whether, you know, that's the point, though. Like, you know what it I is? Know. Like, it's like, it, it doesn't even, like, it. you're ready. You get thrown into the fire. Like, it's always about, the only way you keep growing as a musician is to play with people that are better than you. So it's an honor that yes. they're asking you, but no, you're not ready. But who cares? Because no, exactly. you'll Because you'll just swing. You just have to swing, and then you'll get off the bandstand and say, I have no idea what just happened. And that's yes. the most magical part of it because you're out of your thinking mind and you yes. just, and you were just in it. I mean, are you singing like, are you making up original tunes or are you singing essentially the American songbook? That's or? the beauty. Like they, they send you a couple songs and it's like a horn player, but they're like, okay, you got that? And you're like, oh yeah, I think so. And then they're like, don't worry, we're going to open up during it and it'll just become whatever it becomes exactly. so th- i am so incredibly grateful and, and blessed um tommy knowles is a big name in Asheville that is also just you know these people don't hold me to any sort of gender that's they right say, that, that, that's the point you know that's yeah, the that, say, that's the good. thing yeah you know come on out <laughs> and i would you know that, that that's what i you know i I, I don't want you, like, I want you to just talk about, like, men in general. Like, there are, obviously, it's predatory in the music industry, but I don't like this, this bad, there are many good, solid men out there. So many, so many. And so, I think we all need to just get a little bit more tuned in to, what musicians have been doing forever we travel around the world literally on nothing but the wind and a vibe (laughs) and we walk into a room and we say nope don't like that person they got a bad vibe walking over here right and yes this person has a very bright vibe i'm gonna hang around this brightness you know and it's just so important to be quick on that and yeah there's there's yeah anywhere you go there's gonna be somebody you don't necessarily feel great about but there's going to be a lot of people that you do and it's just so important to follow that and I've been doing that for a long time and it has gotten me around some amazing people and on some amazing stages with people who see that I too am trying to shine brightly and they welcome me even though my experience musically maybe isn't there yet they're like we want to foster this shine you know so that it can be even brighter and they're helping me get out of my thinking mind and they're helping me just be in the flow like they are and like their ancestors were you know and it's a beautiful thing so well i just i want to be clear i mean you know for them they also can see in you a reflective mirror of somebody that because they know what that feeling's like They've been through all that stuff. I remember the exact story that Kofi Burbridge, I'll send you that interview because he talks about Felix because he, uh, I mean, they're in the middle of, you know, I don't know, somewhere in Appalachia or uh, Georgia. So, and the weather is just like, I mean, it's it's towards the end of the tour and, um, you know, they're playing uh, original music, you know, some sort of somewhere between funk, rock and jazz and like, and the road is just like, it's a horrible winter storm, ice, wind, you know, and they're all exhausted, maybe even a little bit sick. And, you know, they show up at this bar and, you know, 
no people could care less if they were there or not. <laughs> and you know you know and 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 yet and yet they were so tired there was so much fatigue mm. okay that they actually didn't have the energy to be in their thinking mind and yes. they just dropped into the soul collective of listening and it was like the most magic they made the most out of it and it was the most incredible gig because they were pl- they were so sort of in the subconscious that they that they were playing stuff they didn't even know what they were playing they were playing beyond what they knew so yeah. it was like they when they see when the authentic cats see someone who's hungry and seeking and wanting to grow it's yeah they want to bring you up to that level but they also know that that is the that that was them too, many, many times. And, yes. you know, and I remember schools telling me too, this is the other thing about our, the time we're living, especially as it relates to jazz, which is more to me about uh, <clears throat> jazz is a feeling. It's not so much a music. Um, mm. It's like a very spiritual, uh, transcendent kind of vibe. And, uh, and yet in today's world, you're, you know, with the, with for so many factors that you know there's just this sort of riffology going on and like ch- monster chops and that makes you a, a a good musician and like you know you hear these stories about Lester Young and people like that saying you know some guy was playing his all sorts of scales and uh, you know and he's like that sounds great but c- can you actually touch my heart can you play the blues and you know uh <sighs> Part of it is just the idea of, you know, being able to, you know, I do think, I do think that uh, in this time, because the most important thing for you is to surround yourself musically with people that make you happy. Happiness is our divine right. It is not a hedonistic thing. And, you know, you are one of the cats. I mean, you have, you're just doing it on your own path. But your aura, you have, you are a light being. And thank you, you. So are you. Yeah, thank you. No, I pre, and you know, and that's the thing. Like, but that doesn't mean everybody, some people are going to look at me and say, I don't like that vibe, you know, but that's okay. You know, I have <laughs> more, okay. you know, I have more and more people. I don't care if it's Chicago, Louisiana. Like, they're coming up to me, and they're like, you know, based on my antics, they're like, are you Jake Feinberg? Are you Jake? So, like, it's so slowly, after 12 years of this path, like, my tentacles are so far out, so diverse as it relates to the people that I've interviewed, and then obviously doing these sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, sort of sports center videos of, of of uh, of the concerts themselves, people are like, oh, my God, I know who that is. So, like, slow, it's like the most organic process and i think that that for you whatever you are wherever you are deriving your happiness from it it, musically then just stay with that maybe it doesn't involve a lot of money maybe it doesn't involve touring but if you're happy you know because the the point is going back to self-love i can feel that you have a lot of love in you and that's the only way you're going to give that back to the world is if you love yourself i've seen too many cats who give and give and give and give, and they never know how to res- they never know how to spend time or love for themselves, and it gets real dark. And you know, at that point, you, all bets are off. And I, you know, uh, 
And I just feel like you, you know, you know, you're a fighter, so I mean, you'll be in the ring. You know, you might take a couple of shots to the jaw, but you're going to shake it off, and you're going to come back even. Oh, str- yeah. You know, and that, and I think that that. So you have Moxie, you have talent, but most importantly, you know, if you're doing something, and you're like, ah, it's one thing to have mixed feelings about it, but if the, if you really are like. It's kind of a drag, and I feel like obligated to do it. Cut that right out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, unless they're giving you yeah. a million bucks or so. You know, like you know, like yeah. you know, it's 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 so many people have sold their soul, and especially in the music racket. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. It's like, you know, after a while, you're like, I don't even know who I am anymore, and I have mm-hmm. all the cars in the world, and I have all the commodities in the world, and I'm fucking miserable. Yeah, and and I and I, know, I think that that's the, that's and it's a lot of that's I just gave you a lot of information, but that that is great. the key in this time because next year, uh, you know, and I try to be, uh, you know, next year is going to get really, really intense. There's going to be a lot of violence. I fear that a lot of innocent people in this country will die. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to get really heavy, and I'm not an alarmist i'm not i just feel that i started my yeah. show 11 years 12 years ago for that reason i we were already